If you could be any mascot, which one would you be? Wendy's. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Chick-fil-A Cow. You're like Chick-fil-A cow. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Wait, Chick-fil-A? Oh yeah, yeah. Their the mascot is the cow that says eat more chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm still confused why. Because they don't want you to the eat cow. the cow. The cow is advocating you eat chicken. It is, you know, you know, it is a weird message. It is a really weird yeah. message. Like, don't eat me, eat them. Yeah. Cause it's 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 pers- it's personifying. Is that the right word? Yeah. The cow. For sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like and then it's like, wait, then what sign is the chicken holding up? Because I would, the cow. I would like to see the chicken side of this, and and Chick Fil A has not decided to, to give us both sides of Can that we get coin. A cow they also never like cartoonify because they always cartoonify the uh, cow, but they never do it as a chicken. I've never seen Chick Fil A make a picture of a chicken. They make it as if it's some sort of protest, hmm. as if I mean their logo is a chicken. No, it's not. No, yeah. it is. Chick-fil- but it's Chick Fil A's logo is a chicken. <laughs> no, no, but it's not. A, it's not like a. It's not a realistic chicken, though. Yeah, it's not a realistic. chicken. The cows in their commercials and their ads, it's sending a. I don't. It doesn't sit That's right. That's what this little C is. Oh my and, god! Why didn't I never <laughs> notice that before? Amber's mind is blown. Whoa! And then also, <gasps> also you. It's in their the, sign. Am- Amber, we don't have time for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> we know many things go over your head. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe there's some people who are listening who also had no idea that there's a chicken. No, there. No, there's not one person. If you guys didn't know, then now just you leave. know. <laughs> no, just leave. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Unsubscribe. Listen, don't no, leave because uh, I'm here for you. It's it's also it's also weird that um they're uh the gar the little plants that they have are landscaped in cow shapes. What? <laughs> Have you seen I that before? The, I think those are the nice ones. Yeah, I was gonna say. Especially around your area, they like t- take care of those things. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I don't know what that decision, Shamir. I don't, I don't. It's a very. They should have a fake one. Why would they maintain that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was feel, thinking. Okay, here, here's why I picked it. Okay. okay, I'm just making. I picked it because that was the first thing that came to my head. But two, that cow does not belong there, and I feel like that. Everywhere, oh. I feel like I don't belong. Tommy, so. why are you because you're the, because you're a problem. You're problematic, <laughs> yeah. and you, and you don't know what you want. And, and you're sending and you're throwing you're throwing other people under I'm the bus. Yep. By, How are you by saying, Don't eat me. I'm, I'm problematic. How are you I'm problematic? So problematic? I want an example. We're relating it to the to the. But sh- but the uh, thing is, you can't the symbolism relate that. of the chick Chick Fil A cow. But so what did you what did you say, Amber? What was yours? The Wendy girl. I said the Wendy's girl. You know what? I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one because you look like yeah, her right I look now. like her right now, and she's just like um, like I just like how she goes off on Twitter every day. Wendy's girl spits bars. Yeah, yeah. She Wendy's, has a mixtape. I think it sounded like it was it was Missy Elliott. It did. <laughs> but but uh, you know what? I like how she yeah, just she looks was, so innocent, so like, mm, and then she's just like a savage. Well, when did Wendy's? When was Wendy's like made? It was like nineteen what forties, fifties. I don't know. She was probably racist. Is Nia the other This is true. <laughs> this She's is probably true. racist. But I do like how she was like one of the first ones that I saw on Twitter that was uh, whoever was handling the social media account. Yeah. They were free to kind of just go and fire shots and 
uh, play the social media game and not be like corporate about it, mm-hmm. which was yeah. really cool. I actually went to Wendy's a couple times. And their fries are bomb. I'd be like, no. I yeah. I don't know the if Frosties. you remember. I don't know if you remember, but I uh, I moaned when I yeah. when I tried the Frosties at, <laughs> at Wendy's. We were just we were just on the subject of moaning for some reason, and Shamir was like, "Yo, go go and moan when you get your food." And this guy, I was like having a great conversation with him, and then I tried a Frosty. Like right in his, I was in his face. I was just like, "Oh, I've been wanting this so badly," and then I lick it. And I'm like, "Uh," and he was like. <laughs> Yo, don't uh, listen to this podcast around your parents. No, listen to it. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, after he said it already. Yeah. And then I was like, this is so good. And he was like, he stopped what he was doing. He's like wiping the <laughs> counter and then he stopped and then I did it again. And then he was like, Haha, I'm glad you like it, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He was like, first time, uh, Frosty? He was trying to make it like less awkward. <laughs> and he literally I was like, said, yeah, it's my oh. first time. No. He was like, oh, first time trying a Frosty? Oh like right after he moaned. Wait, did we talk about okay, yours, Frost? Edgar Allan oh, Poe. Yeah. Wait. Do you guys know the reference? No, but Baltimore. As a mascot? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what the the Ravens' uh, mascots are named. Yeah, I mean, he is from Baltimore. They're named after, they're named after Edgar Allan Poe, who wrote The Raven. Baltimore uh, Ravens. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I remember learning that. Na- there's a non-fun historical one from me, but you learn something new every day. Why? Why'd you choose them? Yeah. Why'd you choose them? I was thinking of I was thinking of sports mascots, and I, so th- then I thought you that was a cool story. So then you decided to go full-on Edgar Allan Poe? Well, it's not the actual, like, poet. It's the Ravens who are named after... Like the Ravens mascot. Well, you didn't say the Ravens. You said Edgar Allan Poe. I named the... Because those are their names. What? Wait, the Ravens' name is Edgar Allan Poe. No, there's one Edgar, there's one Allen, and there's one Poe. There's three Ravens? And they're named after... I thought there was one Raven mascot. Yeah. You're wrong. Shamir, you know how, like, in University of Maryland, you guys have that turtle, and you guys, like, give it offerings? Testudo. We have yeah. an Edgar Allan Poe in our courtyard at University of Baltimore, and, like, during every holiday, we, like, dress him up accordingly. So during, like, graduation's time, we put, like, a graduation cap and gown on him. Oh, okay. And be like, so it's not as messy as ours? No. The nowhere near as messy. <laughs> we just decorate him. Okay, that's good. Yeah. When originally unveiled, Poe was one of three costumed mascots. All Raven brothers named Edgar, Allen, and Poe because the Baltimore Ravens were named after the poem The Raven by Baltimore resident Edgar Allan Poe. It was natural to name their mascots after Poe. Hmm. That's fire. I just didn't know there's three yeah. mascots, different mascots. It, They're brothers. Also, in the context which you said it, you would assume that it's the poet, not three different mascot names. That's what I thought. I was like, why'd you pick a white dude? <laughs> well, see, then I got to explain it. and um, <laughs> Great story. You know, and, and since you guys want to be non-educated, uh, you know, pieces of dirt, I wanted to do our podcast listeners a service and educate them a, a little bit at least. Mm. Okay. And You're hopefully welcome. they're not sleeping or because after that lesson. Mm. That's and my hopefully raven. they're awake. Wow. That's my raven, raven. chant. To listen to Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Faraz. My name is Amber. This is the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. This is brought to you by Olive Theory. You can email us or send us your music at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Your cousin know. And you cannot let your cousin know, but you can let your friends know that we're on all podcasting platforms. So be sure to subscribe, share, like, comment, all of the above. We're also on YouTube, the visual aspect, where we look beautiful and Amber looks like Wendy. Wow. So you can see the brown Wendy right over here. Um, and yeah. We're also on all social media. 
You guys knew that. But we're new on a new platform. Uh -oh. Guys, guess what it is. Guess what the platform is. Um, is it Twitter? No. <gasps> We've been on Twitter. I know Amber, what it is. Amber, you dummy. Oh my gosh. I know what it is. What is it? Amber. Frost, what is it? We're on chat roulette. No, we're on LinkedIn. Oh no, guys, you guys are so dumb. Oh. We're on TikTok. Oh, so not MySpace? Oh, ho, ho, ho. that's <laughs> TikTok. That's no. way that's way better than I could have guessed. Wow. Yes, we're now on TikTok. So we'd like to see you guys all there hyping us up in the comments. Not us individually, us. but Strange Flavors podcast has Strange a TikTok. Yeah, and it's at Strange Flavors. Yes, it so is. So follow us on there. Yep. Link and we also below. have a cool community, a small town we'd like to call wow. Strange Flavors Town. Mm -hmm. Love the town. And they are the they they are our executive producers. Mm. Bobber Bagel wow. and Cassie's Cupcakes wow. run Strange Flavors Town. Amazing. And you can also become a resident at Strange Flavors Town. We're looking How? for a mayor. Honestly, donate hundred dollars a, mayor. a month on this podcast, and you can be the mayor of Strange Flavors Town. Yep, a mayor. Any new shops? Link down below. A small monthly donation helps this podcast become what it is. Wow. And get the crazy guests that we've gotten recently mm -hmm. because of the Strange Flavors Town. Wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right, guys? Amazing. That's right. Not, not all the way accurate. I we don't pay our guests. But, but, uh, but, <laughs> confirm or deny that. But, we, yes. but it helps us get some clout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does help us get clout and it helps us, you know, keep this podcast running. Facts. Yeah. And we also have a amazing YouTube channel that goes by the name Ronald Pono. Mm. Cultural comedy. And we have an amazing, amazing patreon for it Ooh. and you get exclusive content all over the board we have amazing merch on ronanpono.com yes and guys you may not know about this but we have a discord <gasps> server what's a discord yo, server yo the discord server i didn't know about in the beginning i thought it was just a place for like oh you like play video games and chat with each other but the di our discord server is popping it's lit it's it's all honestly like insane there's just like so many communities gathering and stuff i'm like yo what the heck is going on all so, the different tabs for like you know the different engagement levels of first of all our content but then also people you know making memes out of it people engaging playing games with you guys when you twitch stream yep. and all of that and then engaging about movies tv shows i love yeah. going on there and just being like yo i just watched this show or this movie and then people just being like yo i did this too and it's, it's cool like to, it's cool to interact with our mm -hmm. fans and our community yeah it's like a text way of doing a podcast kind of like when you're like oh i just watched this movie people can like give their input and stuff like that so it's yeah. really dope we also have a tab where you give strange flavors podcast ideas that's cool yeah so so that's really dope wow we have that check that link many other tabs. down below Fun many stuff. other tabs so yeah yep so follow us on everything guys because we're doing cool stuff and we want you there along with us and we want to interact with you it's yeah, a lot yeah. of fun and we love doing it i'm gonna go over the quickest segments of the podcast we've ever had wow. okay let's see it whoa my first my first segment is called annoying things that my brother says okay <laughs> i like this <laughs> today's annoying thing that my brother said segment includes me about to walk out of the door going to get food for myself brother texts me what you trying to eat i said chic filet he says nah i said then question mark he said, name some other options. <laughs> I said, no, LMAO. <laughs> the audacity. I am, I am on my way I like that to gather supplies 
in order to feed myself to gain energy and this man has the audacity to tell me mm -hmm. name other options for me to get while you're on your scavenger hunt out ridiculous my brother does the same thing ridiculous your brother does the same thing <laughs> yeah he's it's, like name other options I'm like, have some <laughs> have some respect i like them both of them Yo, i want to know i want to know from Why? everyone else if this is it, it, that's amber because she's the younger sibling i want to know how <laughs> yeah. how other people's younger siblings uh like if they would do that, if they have the audacity to say something like that, or are they behaved people? No, but we also say people? things because we know it, it like incites a reaction. Like I say stuff to that, my parents. No, 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 no. He, he was like, oh, somebody is going out. This is his thinking. I know it. Trust me. <laughs> somebody is going out into the wild to gather supplies. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that means that I get to benefit from this to be fair, Hunt. you benefit from his like supply gathering as well. You mentioned that you wanted sushi. This man brought you a whole platter the other day, just like yes. while we were casual. Yes, like, but that was ask. specific. No, no, no. If 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 I'm asking him where you're going and he says, "Oh, I'm going to Taco Bell," then that means I have to select something off of the Taco Bell menu. Uh, yeah. But he never got maybe from at the sushi most place. at most at most something that's across the street. Also, sushi place next to the gym where he was, okay? <laughs> you don't know the context, don't come at yeah. me. But, this but was disrespect at, at the finest level. If he's asking, right, uh -huh. like, where are, you, where are you trying to eat? And then you give him an option, he's like, no, give no, other no, options. You don't, no, no, the thing is, you don't get to say, nah. Yeah, yeah. Give me other, give me, other, I'm supposed to wait at the door and be like, there's, uh, sir, your highness, there's, there's, there's uh, Popeyes and, the, and there's Taco Bell. And, no. <laughs> I'm on my way. Okay. You you Look have until now. You have now to five more minutes until I arrive at my destination to let me know if you want something off of the menu that I'm getting it off of. And period. This segment has ended. It was supposed to be a short segment. There's no debate. It was called <laughs> stupid things that my brother says. Okay. Here's my second segment. And this one's going to be short. Okay. And you guys are going to agree with it. And we're going to move on. <laughs> this is a dictatorship. Okay. Listen. This is, this is great ideas that were never... That never came to fruition. Okay. And you'll, and, and you'll find out why I said fruition in just, a, in just a millisecond. Ready? Here we go. Imagine if we all grew fruits on our head and everybody had their own fruit that they grew. And if you eat somebody else's fruit, it's like an act of love. But the ripeness of your fruit is determined by your energy. If you're a rotten person, you will have a rotten fruit. Mm. If you are a positive person, you have good intentions. Even if you're poor, your fruit will be vibrant and it'll be juicy and tasty, just like your personality. Mm. Can you sell your fruit? I don't know about That's that. That's prostitution. Because, because, <laughs> because look, if we're all growing fruits on our heads, right? It's, it's, it's like Animal Crossing. Actually, I think I might have gotten this idea from there but basically when you start off on animal crossing everybody on their island gets a unique fruit and in order to acquire other fruits you go to other people's islands but your fruit is special to you because it's your your island's fruit and you grow so much of it but imagine like everyone has their own fruit like shamir's like he grows pineapple and amber grows like cherries and i grow like pomegranate or something and like we're like oh my god it's a pomegranate like it's a pomegranate person mm -hmm. and maybe we live like this is an idea that needs much further dissection, but just sure. remember that I brought this up if it ever yeah. becomes like a TV show or something, okay? Kid, kids cartoon. Oh, Maybe a kids I, cartoon. You know what? There could be a lot of lessons in a kid cartoon like that. Like it could but be like, like Avatar where there's like different nations of like different types of fruits and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to think on this okay. and also <laughs> come in our discord and, and I want you to come in our discord and, uh, further this idea and give me more ideas to uh, Wait, expand you, my really wanna, really fruit quickly, world, though. fruit person world. Yes. If each one of us could grow a fruit, which one would it be? That's Amber. <laughs> Amber, you don't get to choose your fruit. No, this is, this that is if, defeating I mean, the person. You don't get to choose. I'm just thinking. We chose mascots already. The, the yeah, fruit. Just, now we're choosing fruit. Yeah, like, this what is the fruit problem. Do you think you would the, be? What you're, fruit do you you're think the, you? Would no, no, no. You're the problem with my society already. You don't get to come in and say what fruit do you? No, you're given a fruit just like you're given a face, just like you're no, given a body. I'm not saying you're choosing Ooh. one. I'm saying which one do you think you would be? I leave it up to God. Yeah. Oh okay. okay. Just because I don't want to answer whatever whatever blessings <laughs> whatever <laughs> blessings have came upon me, I accept wholeheartedly. Thank you. Okay. Well, well accept I, yourself. Accept yourself. Jeez. I'm ex- yeah. I I just know myself enough to know which one I'd be. But if you guys don't want to have that level of self awareness, that's on you. Yeah. And speaking of accepting yourself, no one is accepting Harry Styles dressing up. In no in the one. Cover. Well, what did he dress up? I mean, as? people are. I mean, people. Are. Harry Harry Styles wore a dress on the Vogue cover, mm. and there's some issues. Harry Styles. Okay, and I, there's did, some I, I did see a, I did see a tweet, uh, quote tweeting that and saying like, "Oh, this is not masculine." Yeah, like, what like do you think? this is going against. I mean, not not yep. I agree. I'm just saying yep. I saw that tweet. <laughs> um, I mean, like, bro he's a rock star and rock stars get to do what they want and that's not why you is that is that what you're he looking for he didn't even for? really and post it no no it's amber there's tons of photos it's an entire I, magazine well, like, i know i went to his instagram and, and i went to vogue's instagram and they posted the same oh i see Look, it oh i, hmm. I grew what's up oh what's that oh hold on i mean come on amber i okay i'm being i'm just thinking out loud it does invoke like a level of discomfort only because it's feminine but it's not like clean feminine which is like just like my personal thing so it's like for example if i typically see people in a dress would be women who are like more clean shaved so when i'm seeing a man in a dress with chest hair it makes me a little bit uncomfortable which you know might be messed up it's just you know is what it is that's just the reaction i got immediately mm. i don't know the second i saw harry styles on tv the way that he was behaving as if like you know when he was wearing the the uh hawaiian shirts and the flower shirts i was like yo this guy is a rock star and to me i grew up in a house where we loved and admired uh, Michael Jackson and Prince and Queen. And, you know, further down the line, like I discovered bands like Kiss and all this stuff. This oh. is this is a personal choice to me. Like the, I don't I wouldn't do that. Like yeah. it's whatever. But these people, they their whole thing is like, let me explore and get comfortable in this and break these social norms and i could care less because yeah again rock stars are just they're different yeah. they're yeah, they're different. on a different level of i mean trying things they wear lipstick you, you and said makeup. yourself like queen right um he would um the main singer he would wear dresses in the videos and stuff and then even like kurt cobain nirvana lead singer he did he did a whole performance concert in a dress 
Like, mm. people have been doing this dressed up. Like, Young Thug, like, yeah. five years ago did that. Jaden Smith, you know. People wear dress and stuff, like, all the time. I don't see what the freak out is think, about. I think I the question say, really he is, did kill is the why other does looks, it... Though. Like, he does look good in a skirt randomly. Better than you? I mean... Yeah, for sure. I don't look good in dresses. He looks better in a dress than I do. I think the question is figuring out why does it bother you or what what are your feelings towards it? To me, when I look at something like that, I've never really gotten it, right? Like I I will hear somebody out and, you know, they're like, oh, I'm exploring and and feminine clothing makes me feel this way, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Good for you. I look at Harry and I see that picture and I'm just like, I accept that I don't get it. Mm. And I don't really care. That's not, you know, my cup of tea. But I think Harry Styles is a dope dude. I think that he makes fantastic music and yeah. I love his style. And He could wear whatever, that. honestly. Like, that's how dope he is with his art. He could wear whatever. It doesn't matter, I think, right? Like, he can wear whatever he wants. He'll look dope in almost anything. I think right? that, like, if it matches your style, especially, and then you pass gender normal clothes, then it's even cooler. Like, like um, what is it, Young Thug? Like, I don't know mm. why, but, like, when he wears feminine clothing, it, like, matches his look. I don't know. I think I can, it's just being comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I can tell he's comfortable in it, which, yeah. like, makes, like, you know, him own it a little bit better. And especially in the hip-hop community, like, they're like, what are you doing, Young Thug? Yeah. And, like, you Even know, Jayden he's just Smith, so brave enough. Did he do that? Yeah. But he also gets criticized all the time yeah. for doing weird stuff nail but. polish all that kind of stuff you know people some guys just do it and it, cool. it doesn't it doesn't raise a question to me that like oh what's their sexuality or whatever i just like i'm like whatever about it yeah i mean even your brother we're dressed i mean not for like fun but for videos i mean that's like a that's a different line because yeah, i know because I that because those people aren't aren't doing it to like costume yeah, yeah. role play and stuff jokes and um, low-key yeah. i feel like if you were a teenager right now like in the tiktok era that like you would be an e-boy with your nails painted black i thought you're gonna say yeah, you could see him wearing <laughs> I, I, dresses. in a dress that's what i thought that's gonna go <laughs> i was like dang but yeah yeah gotcha. it, it's an interesting topic it's just like interesting at this at this age too like what are you doing people just calm down yeah. like people are gonna be if you don't agree with it don't do it and yeah, guys. It's gonna happen. We have been betrayed. Oh, like us personally. The Muslim Pro app is selling our data to the U.S. military. It's a Surprise. good thing I never downloaded it. <laughs> oh, Amber. <laughs> I, Amber. I had the Azan app. Okay. But I heard that's a better experience. But they did put out a statement on their Instagram from that said uh that they did not that it's untrue whatever but they said that regardless they're still um they decided to terminate our relationships with all data partners including x mode effective immediately so they were like <laughs> they're it's untrue and incorrect incorrect but they're still like you know putting like you know because it was such a public outrage they're like do still it for the paycheck you know what's funny? Like uh, one of our friends, Salman Chai Papi, who's been on the podcast um, and who we love, uh, he was on <laughs> Twitter and he was like, at Minder app, like, did yeah. you guys also sell my data? And they were like, they replied, they're like, no, we didn't. And he's like, okay, well, change this about your app while you're here. I thought that was really funny. That's so funny. I, I think it's hilarious because like everyone's like, you know, 
everyone has Facebook, Instagram, whatever. They're they're selling our data, using our data, whatnot. But the thing is, Muslim Pro that we go on to use for prayer times is like selling our data. Yeah, it is weird because I did, you know, the first thing that kind of crossed my mind too was just like, okay, well, all these other apps sell our data and I'm very vocally Muslim about uh, on all these apps. And if they want to know my demographic and all that, like they have it, they have all the data that they need. Um, so why is it a big deal that another app is doing that and it happens to be Muslim Pro? But it's just like, the the thing is, it's just like Basti. What Basti means is like shame. Like if yeah. you're if you're a Muslim app, like you're... What what are you doing selling yeah. data? Like that's such a weird. That's uh, like a, a uncle at the the mosque community, like kissing up to like the white folk. Yeah, you know, mm. or like, like having a Republican oh, governor come there just for the yeah. looks. Yeah, not it's not even that. It's like it's like a it's like a, a Desi uncle or a Muslim uncle at a at a masjid being like, we need to do we need to uh, make sure that none of these kids grow up as terrorists. It's like what. <laughs> What what are you trying to do by selling Muslim data to the U.S. military? Do, we we do realize that Muslims are not causing any terror in the United States, right? We mm-hmm. we do realize that, right? Like we know that they're little white boys that are shooting up schools, right? Mm-hmm. We know that it's other gangs, and we know that some of them happen to be police, right? We know that Muslims among the U.S. are in uh, higher classes and. Uh, are contributing to communities in significant ways and there's been very little cases of actual terror right we know mm. we don't know that we, we have need to sell much data bigger problem with homegrown domestic terrorists than we do from overseas but i mean you know what i honestly think that like i think that like at this point if you're worried about you being tracked on social media just don't have a phone just, just live, live under in a, a remote place because yeah. at this point like nobody cares about you tbh nobody cares about you literally nobody and if you think that you do then you have an ego problem because the government doesn't care about you as an individual there's too many people in this world you want to see some muslim terror send me some beats you want to see some muslim terror i'm about to you know that my bars are the bomb let's do it <laughs> and then and then i'll send them to the fbi myself let's do that wow and uh let's we go. can we can get Muslim Pro on, and uh, we can we can just make Muslim Pro an app where we just have Muslims rapping and singing fire bars, <laughs> and that'll be plenty of terror caused. Wow! Nice job, Muslim pair, uh, Muslim Pro. Muslim, you, what were you about to say? Muslim pear. Muslim, <laughs> I was thinking about the fruits again. They would definitely be pears. No, um, you just you just caused a lot of shame shame to your to yourself by doing that, um, and. You know, although it, there's a bunch of apps doing it already, um, you get the biggest shame shame. Yeah, they put out a message like, we hear you. <laughs> we hear you. Um, it's a good okay. app, though. Amber, Amber you, you said that COVID is making uh, you feel a million types of ways. Yeah, I mean, like... And not, not one way bad? No, no. Like, it's like, I'm very... Okay, obviously bad, overall bad. I mean, there's no way that I feel good. But I'm just saying, like, just when I started being, like, you know, settling into the idea of, okay, like, this is going to be something that we just need. It's, like, our new way of living. It's a new normal. Like, okay, it's just going to have to be like this for a few years. We just have to learn to live around it. As soon as that started happening and we got comfortable with that and, like, 
our numbers and our like in Maryland I'm speaking to our numbers when they were at like our lowest like when we we're all quarantine qu- quarantining were around 200 a day 300 a day 400 max on our lower days and now they're at like 2300 per day 2300 new cases per day and then on top of that my mom went overseas recently and when while when she had left we were at our lower point and on her way back we just skyrocketed and it just like caused so much tension in our whole family like it just literally flipped our whole world upside down like being like okay yes COVID exists and we have to deal with it and then when it attacks like people that you know specifically and like close to you and it's like so like now it's like so real I don't know why it was like before in like March April May it was like this thing that like you might know somebody who knows somebody who has it like oh my gosh corona and we were scared got comfortable okay cool it can happen but people seem to be okay boom we're attacking your whole family now like what like i don't know i just i feel like this whole thing is putting me through an emotional roller coaster and i'm done with it so corona pack your shit up and leave this year okay don't take your ass into 2021 i'm gonna just say that we have it good we do have it good. we have it we have it real good we do have it real good but i'm still going through an emotional roller coaster with are you talking about you specifically I feel, for us i feel i feel you no i think i think oh. Well, me, I can speak on me specifically. I have it real good. Um, I think everyone else, um, we have it. We do have it good because there's people that have lost their entire, uh, you know, way of way of living and, and a lot of people. But I feel I think I think there's a real conversation also around Amber, what you're tackling, which is really just the mental health aspect of like what this does to not just uh, people during this, um, you know, moment in time, but also the long term effects um, of of the trauma that it's going to cause to kids and the social anxieties and many other things, depression that are going to skyrocket because of this thing that we have no control over, mm-hmm. um, and it's not going to go away for a very long time. Yeah, and I was getting yeah. comfortable with that, and whatever. I'm. Just, it's just weird. Everything's weird. My nephew is learning with the screen. He has no friends. It's just a weird time. Okay, and I just mm. I would think that eight eight nine months into this that we. I started to become more okay with it, and now everything flipped upside down, and I'm not okay with it at all, okay? What we can do on our part, and many other people who, who do have the means um, and capability, uh, is to make a better situation for yourself, but also those around you. And that's exactly what we try to do on this podcast, that we try to do through our videos and all of that. So, um, you know, hang in there, everyone. We know it's a really tough time. Um, and reach out if you wanna share your stories, if you wanna, you know, need somebody to talk to feel free to email us chat on our discord meet other awesome people that's why we're trying to grow our community so that it's not just about us it's about our communities and people that share similar values and all of that Mm -hmm. um so with that you know i want to continue to give you guys um, a good show while you're here to stay entertained to keep your head in the game stay strong and motivated let's introduce our super inspiring and motivational Mm -hmm. guest today so the stranger today is a big time plug, plug talk, okay? He's assisted artists, breakthroughs, he's helped politicians pull off successful campaigns, and he is constantly working to push the bar for South Asian creators and community curators 
through his brand, Ill Muslims. We refer to him as Guruji because you'll find out you're about to absorb some serious wisdom from his conversation. Uh, this was a pleasure to do. It's an honor to have him. Everyone, please give it up for our friend, Guruji, Guruji a.k.a. Rami Khan. Seriously, no, but like, you're, the thing is like, uh, I was telling, I was telling someone this, like, we, I know so many people that we've met through you, and we all basically know the same amount of information about you, which is just like, yeah, we were connected through Rummy, what does he do exactly, like, who is he, where does he come from, this mysterious guy who just connects a bunch of people, you're involved in like, community things and politics and entertainment entertainment like, music everything. all this stuff well we will get into all the specifics of that but one of the things about you is that you're just very laid back and go with the flow type of person what is where does that mentality come from uh in in, in the way that you approach you know meeting new people um i mean i don't know where it originated for me but the premise is things that you can affect and there's things you can't. There's things that will happen regardless and there's things that you can... Why are you guys why are you laughing? Because you're, you're already starting off like... You're, you're already zoning. You're already in the zone. How are you going to be in the zone? Like I mean, I stay in the zone. No, so like, no, honestly... Uh, it's dropping yeah. gems like... Yo, I can say it even with, with, with shimmer, man. I, can't, I won't be able to keep a straight face. Uh, not that I need to, but I'm just uh, trying to tell people like who this guy is, but, but you're doing yeah, a great chill. job at I'm, it I'm, like, from the beginning. You know, I think our our cousins back home will say no tension or or whatever it is that they prescribe to. But ultimately, it's like you know, there's a certain amount of stuff you can let things bother you, or you know, you just move with move with the universe, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, also crazy that you are laid back because I feel like someone. A person like you is always like their heads all over the place they're like really fast-paced but you're just like laid back and you're still controlling these thousand different things that you're working on where you're still so calm so I think that's yeah uh, well you see part of it <laughs> um, there's yeah there's a lot I mean there's a lot I guess the way I'd frame it is if I let if I let the stress get to me as much as it may for other people uh, I would likely be dead by now. Like, there's no scenario that that you make it through. And I'm pretty much, you know, balding and graying out and all of that. So I've got all the other effects of stress. But you gotta you gotta try and smile and chill when you can. So the balance you're just is looking, an important. You're part. just looking wiser by the day. That's how I would, <laughs> is, I would say it. Which is it's working. Yeah, uncles but I take say, me seriously now. <laughs> I would say that you know, like um, sometimes people when they're introduced to somebody you you start off with the sort of titles and you're like oh i do this and this and this i'm mm. this entrepreneur and i work for this company and you know this and this but with you it's like uh getting the vibe across is more important because building a trust and knowing that this guy is you know here to help in some way and build some sort of connection is important and you know we'll get into how we we met but um one of the things that stuck out to me on our many adventures together um, has been like whenever we go to 
a mosque, you said uh, that there's three things that you always pray for. Do you remember saying that? And do you remember what those three things are? Remind me of of how narrow the list was then, because it's expanded from three. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I believe one of the things was um, like something with self-guidance or self... So it's... uh, I can tell you what it is now. Okay. I'll tell you if if any of those ring a bell again. I just remember you were so confident in like, these are the things that I always pray for. Yeah, wisdom, clarity... Um, discipline, focus, uh, contentment. But I think it was likely wisdom, cl- oh, wisdom, uh, clarity, and purpose. What, yeah. what is it? Purpose. purpose. Yeah, like where? Where does that come from? How do you decide that? Like these are the things that I'm going to pray for and and, and continue to pray for. Man, um, it. I think it comes from. I mean, he's a. These are important questions to ask, right? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to answer with concision so that I don't spend 40 minutes answering just your first question. No, we're just chilling. It's yeah. We'll, we'll go wherever you want to go, but I just like, like I said, I just want to set the <laughs> pick, vibe. Pick your poison. Um, it comes from thinking about the question behind the question, right? So it's like, there's things that we want, but someone once told me, or I may have read it, but uh, the difference between a fool and a wise man is that one will trade what they want for what they want right now. And so what do you want versus what you want right now? And so ultimately, if everything else, like if, if, if today I want a million dollars and I have it, what do I want then? And so I try to ask for the thing that I'd want if I have the things that I think I want. You know what's crazy? Ho- hopefully I'll get more along the way, you know? <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, I, um, I used to pray for like, you know, oh, I want this whatever like dumb thing right money or this toy toy or or whatever right uh skateboard like something like that and then the next year as a kid especially your desires change so quickly and i was like man if my you know prayers had had come true uh back then you know had came into my life then i wouldn't have wanted those things so then (laughs) when i was a kid i used to be like uh let me uh, like Give me whatever you think I would want. Yeah. And it was such like a, it was, it was such a bizarre sort of way of thinking. But now that I look back at it, it's like, oh, I, I was aware in a way that I'm not going to want the same things all the time. Yeah. You incepted your dua. Mm. You were asking Allah to incept the, the fake flex. I'm like, yo, I might want this, yeah. but you know what I really want, even if I don't know what I really or want like right what, Or like what's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes we, we ask for things that, you know, for example, even through my high school years, I thought um, tattoos were the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, if I have tattoos, this is like probably when I'm like a freshman in high school. I'm like, if I have tattoos, I will need nothing else in life because I will be so cool. <laughs> like, I will just look so cool. And then I would like think like, oh, what would I get? And just the, just processing the thought of what I would get and then that changing so quickly. You know, like there's something that you're going to have on your body for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I'm not even thinking about like, you know, obviously uh, as what a Muslim, is it now? We, have, we have certain beliefs and stuff. Uh, so I wasn't even thinking about that. 
I was just in my head is like, if I wanted tattoos, what would I get? And it would change so rapidly that like, oh my God, if I would have like actually gone through with that, this would have been on me forever. And what if I don't want that? Like forever. And think about all those people that did that. that Now have that thing that they don't want this on them. I wonder what that conversation is like when you're going to sleep. You're like, man. Why did I get this orange on the side of my arm? Orange. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm like, it depends I'm like how much anymore. you think about it. <laughs> it all depends yeah. how much you think. Like for for a lot of people, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I got this at this age, and I can mm-hmm. just get more and stuff. But yeah. I guess you know, it depends on the type of person you are too. For me, I, I happen to be an extremely picky person, and uh, who who changes his mind a lot and is very uh, overly. I guess in, in a perfectionist sort of mindset where if I got something, I would, I would want to remove it. And then like, you know, it has to be in a certain layout or, or something like that. But, uh, so all that, so all would that you just... get shimmer or Ronald Bono padded? <laughs> the logo, the logo, just the logo. Oh. See, see, I already have it actually tied up. See, that's crazy. Cause I also think about, uh, there's, there's people, there's rappers who will like, join a label or something and then they'll get their label or something tattooed on them somehow somewhere and then sometimes things happen where they don't feel the same way anymore like they get dropped or they go to a different place or whatever yeah yeah Yeah. and then like little wayne has tattoos of birdman who's his you know (laughs) manager slash uh Big stunner, like surrogate father. Mentor. Yeah. yeah. And they got they got into it at one point and like imagine just having this man and, and everything that he stands by on your body and I don't know. Just Yeah, it's a lot. It's all a, of that to say, to... like, you know, d- the way that we change our minds and um uh go go about, you know, life and the things that we ask for, it's just interesting that um you you kind of will change your duas according to where you are in your your sort of yeah uh, state uh, of being i have a segue yeah. so, so uh since you like change since we change our minds a lot you're involved in so many different fields yeah how do you how do you do that I don't view them and as what different. What are all those fields? Yeah, what, are, what those? are they? Uh, <laughs> just like a quick things? a quick rundown cuz it's a lot. So I don't view them as different. And I guess the reason I don't view them as different is because what problem are you solving for? And if the problem you're solving for is like launching an artist or building a creative platform or getting a, a, you know, a a candidate elected or changing policy, if that's the problem you're solving for, then they sound like different things, right? But if you're solving for using the tools you have with the time you have to affect change, you're doing the same thing over and over again. You're using the tools you have with the time you have to affect change. And when you start thinking about what are those things that affect change, you'll find that in pop culture and politics, whether it's managing a campaign or a candidate or launching an artist and, and dropping you know, a body of work or an EP or a mixtape, you're essentially doing the same thing. So I'll use the, the musical sort of metaphor for it. Everything you do around music is to pull people in to press play, right? And everything you do for a political campaign is to pull people in to either read your platform 
or to press play to hear you tell them your platform. And ultimately, the transaction for music is either a stream or a download. You know, it used to be a purchase. And for a campaign, it's a donation, a petition signature, or a vote. And so the threshold of turning someone from a donor to a voter is limited by physical ge uh, geography. The same way that people that listen to your music all over the world are limited in their ability to attend your concert by a physical geography. And, and so the acquisition of hearts and minds is really what it is, right? It's how do you get into someone's heart and get them thinking about something in the way that you're trying to uh, catalyze. So for an artist, they might write in a certain way or they may use like, you know, A minor where like most of the hits, what was that study done? Like there was a 20 year period where you could basically trace back every every like top 10 hit was in A minor or something. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was something like that where they're playing like very similar, similar chords. chords. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's there's things that you find on a macro level work over and over again. So to answer like, you know, what, where's all the mind changing going on? Like, you know, I view it as just being a dream weaver. It's, I've got a finite set of resources and a finite amount of time to affect change in this landscape. So who's supportive of it? Who's persuadable? Who's not going to come over and that's a diminishing return. We're not going to mess with that. And, and what's the most potent return on investment? So whether that's cost per vote or whether that's cost per fan, how do you use a, a limited or a finite resource for optimized outcome? So how if do that's you, what how you're do you doing. How do you sell that? How do you like say, you know, go to somebody and say that you don't, I'm sure you don't go and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a dream weaver. Yeah, no, I say, yeah. <laughs> or do you? <laughs> no, no. I mean, on my, on my Instagram profile, yeah, it says Dreamweaver. Um, but I mean, that's, you, get to, you get to play a little bit more with elements of what you want to share and don't share. So it depends on who I'm talking to. So these days, the, the lines between pop culture and politics are being more and more fused, right? If you saw Cardi B's role in, in, the, in the Democratic uh, presidential Bernie primary especially. cycle, yeah, like everyone was... Yeah, exactly. Bernie. But then when, when Biden got nominated or got the nomination, like there was still interaction. She was relevant because of the audience that she um, has acquired. Right. Yeah. Uh, same thing with like Ocasio-Cortez, wildly popular amongst young people and came from sort of the Bernie, you know, camp. Mm -hmm. But when she's doing engagements and events, an artist that I used to work with, Anik Khan, like he's there at the Bernie's back rally performing and she's like, you know what, her and Bernie are talking to Anique and, and they're just like, thank you and this and that and engaging because they want to be related and connective hmm. to the audience of people that are entertained by Anique. And so then, you know, he, he did a thing where he's like, if you're from where I'm from, we do this thing where we say you're and people chant back, right? And so AOC did that with him. So he goes, you're, and then she and the crowd were like, you're back. So yeah. it's like a New she'll York get thing, into... Right? Yeah, exactly. So she'll get into, yeah, it's a New York thing. So she'll get into the policy of like, hey, let's treat people well. Let's make sure that they're covered in healthcare and that we have, you know, the Green New Deal has some leverage. But the same way that Anik came from no one knowing who he was to being able to, you know, tour the world and produce music and, and launch the foreign affair, that's his messaging, right? That's his strategic comms 
That's what he's talking about. And it relates to us because we're, we're people, and I'll, I'll shout out like, you know, Atif and, and Homei. We are here, third culture, hyphenated identity. And so we connect to that message because of its ability to relate to us. So I, I guess ultimately, really what I'm doing is strategy, right? Is how, how do we connect strategic communications to some degree of execution, whether that's, you know, the buy-in for an event physically or your subscription to my mantra, if you will, yeah. another unique plug. Pressing, press, the, the pressing play thing makes a lot of sense with that, what you were sharing earlier. How do we get them to press play basically on, yeah. you know, whatever the, the call to action is? Yeah. What was, you, what got, were, you guys do this in your artwork, right? So when you've got a new parody that you've put up, it's, that's your real estate, right? The little square that we're looking at is how I'm picking and choosing which next Ronopono video I'm about to play hmm. and why, right? And because of that, some of your videos will have higher streams or higher views, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's just, if I know nothing else about it, and I'll connect it back to politics, if you know nothing else about the candidates in your district, you tend to vote for the name that's more familiar. True. Right? Statistically. Yeah. Yeah. So the same thing in, in music or visuals, if the name and the image seems familiar or relatable or appealing, mm-hmm. you're likely going to press play. And then if you like it, yeah, exactly. And then if you like it, you, you know, you got 30 seconds to figure out if somebody likes it or not. Less than that, typically. Now with mm-hmm. all of our That ADD. reminds me of uh, AOC and Ilhan Omar playing uh, Among Us, the game, uh, you oh, know, yeah. on, on live on Twitch or whatever where everyone yeah. was watching and then you know you're right maybe somebody watches that and is like oh i remember them playing yeah. this game that she's I'm running into. for president i'll vote for her because she mm-hmm. it was a twitch streamer or whatever. yeah because she was yeah. chill enough to come and play with us yeah, yeah. exactly right. um I, I remember you were you start out with was it andrew yang that you were campaigning for yeah yeah this cycle yeah um yang and yang. then i saw and then and then you know you go to supporting i guess who andrew then plugs um and then and then ultimately you want you know biden to get elected and all of that what is it what is the process of like you know campaigning for for someone like that and then having to switch candidates so with with andrew with with andrew yang first of all like everyone on that campaign was awesome um they thought about things differently if you don't know by the way for people that don't know he's the guy that wanted to give everybody a thousand dollars a month right yeah, universal that was basic his income. Universal yep. basic income. That was his main thing that he wanted to push. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge. It's a big idea, and it's and it's having its moment now, right? Like now yeah, we're asking, sure. we're saying, hey, everyone should. It's a sensible plan, and and he wasn't the first person to come up with it. And that was kind of part of what was we were attempting to communicate. Thomas Paine first, and then Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King, and then Andrew Yang. So it's an interesting, you know, trajectory from where it started to who. Who has the baton currently, right? Who's who's advancing the torch? All um, great people to be mentioned by. Yeah, yeah. And so the the thing that stood out most was about that campaign and, and Andrew's message was, and, and one of the one of the big slogans of the campaign was not left, not right, forward. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking to people with without the sort of resistance of the moniker and the the flashy terms and the vocab that we get sucked into and get stuck by, right? So it's, it's limiting to our thought process. So he was talking about interesting ideas, but in a way that was acceptable to folks. So he, he really mastered the pulling you in to press play. At minimum, 
you know, you were intrigued to know more about where he stood on something. Um, and I think he did a masterful job of, of bringing folks into that. Ma- well, and he's his- this like tech guy, right? So he, he knows all about how to get people to buy in, right? He, he was on uh, Silicon Valley. He worked around that area, right? Yeah, so he he did venture for America. He was a lawyer, and then he did venture, and he did had a startup, and then didn't do that, and did venture for America, and and the idea he was always looking for ways to solve macro problems to get people into opportunities that he saw as issues on a macro level. So part of it was how do we make sure that we get folks from schools, which are what's the question behind the question of school, right? Is what are they intended to do? Well, for a long time they were intended to provide our skilled labor force. Mm. Right. So our curriculums were designed by the companies that needed the skilled labor. And so when the economy shifts and the landscape shifts and you have disruptive industries and disruptive technologies, the curriculum should shift as well. The needs have shifted. Right. So what's the purpose behind the schooling and the job and the curriculum? So the question behind that is, are we doing the thing that's smartest by basically just lifting up the hood? So you can call something. That's the fastest, 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 fastest car on the road. And it's like, sure, we can all believe it. And it might have that Harvard logo, not dissing anyone that went to Harvard. Um, Me. But. Mashallah, mashallah. <laughs> Thank you. But, but ultimately, <laughs> you. it's like, does, does it make sense for everyone, for everything? So you may be better off going to, you know, I'll just, I don't know, uh, University of Maryland or American or whatever it is, it depends on where you're trying to end up in the skilled labor force if you're going to, to graduate study. Or you could be like a Gary Vee. And, and it's less about which institution you study from because you're never planning on working for a, a large skilled labor employer, right? You're, you're more inclined to create the jobs yourself and think differently and outside of it. So USA, baby. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> Wait, so I mean, it, it sounds cool. like you're very much into everything that he believed in and stood by. Did you, did you choose to work on his campaign? Yeah, so I actually originally wasn't planning on, on getting involved in the presidential campaigns this cycle. I was, mm-hmm. I was working on a different project that I was very excited about. And then through some, some folks I'd worked with on previous campaigns, um, you know, we on like connected. On a local level? Uh, no, so it was in the midterms as managing a congressional campaign. Okay. And so, so one of the companies we were working with there was also working with with Yang's campaign and um, and I didn't know about it at the time, but I was, I had like, there was bad weather and my flight got delayed and I was in DC an extra night and, you know, decided to, I was with a buddy of mine and we decided to stay in a different part of town than the night before. And I recognized an office and I was like, is that, is that the, and, and so I called him up and I was like, hey, I think, I think I'm outside the office. They're like, oh my God, yeah, actually you this are. This is what I'm like, talking about. This is that humble <laughs> Iro type of like, to go with the flow, you end up there. Like, this is what I so mean, there, guys. I was like, I'm gonna go check in and then I'm gonna come say what's up. And, and I went and we're talking and they're like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. I'm working for, I, I took a race. I said, I wouldn't take on another race. A race is a campaign. Um, and, and I was like, really? So we're catching up and this and that. And as we're talking, I was like, you know what? I think they could really use you and I think you should really go there. And I was like, cool, I'm not looking for a job at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on this other thing. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. And we're talking, whatever. And then in the middle of it, like, she lifts up her phone. She was like, great, they're ready, to, they're ready to get on the phone with you. And I was like, who's they? And like, phone why? <laughs> and she's like, I sent your resume in. And I was like, what? You still have my resume? Like, what? It sounds <laughs> like they cool. pulled a you on you. Right. They pulled a me on me. And like the next day we were on the phone. And, and um, you know, the day following that, uh, there was an interview. And then like two days following that, I was in New York. 
um, at, at campaign headquarters. And then what felt like two days after that, I was just deployed off where the campaign was. So what do you do when you're a campaign manager? What's your, like your role? So for, for Andrew Yang, I was not a campaign manager. I was uh, a senior advisor. So, but a manager's role is to what you would, what it sounds like to manage the campaign and you got different facets within a campaign. So on one, on the one hand, you want to contact voters. On the other hand, you want to raise the money to afford to be able to contact voters. On the other hand, you want to make sure that you've got the appropriate message so that when you do contact said voters, having spent said money, that you're saying something that means something to them. Um, I just imagine it's so much different now than it would have been, you know, several years ago where you're yeah. like you were saying earlier, you know, considering uh, pop culture and, and where things are headed with everything that's live, everything that's social media um, and just all the all the different ways that we consume um, information now. It's it's got to be, I guess, hectic, maybe fun. Yeah. I don't know. Candidates got to be like social influencers now. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. It's think about it from the sense of like, you know, I studied marketing in in school and a viable market is sizable, accessible and identifiable. And so what makes a group of people sizable and what makes them accessible and what makes them identifiable? So the identifiable nature of a market segment is there's a common thread or common threads, plural, right? Accessibility means that they've convened around that thread and there's an opportunity to engage them either through forum, a platform, you know, maybe it's a music series. And, and so now if you want to talk to a bunch of people that have convened around the thread of pop music, you can go to the place that they go to listen to pop music and that's your access point, right? As long as they care about what you have to say, mm. right? So who are you talking to? What are you saying? Why should they care? Mm. And so when you figure that part out, that's, that's what, that's what everyone's doing, right? And in my view, and, and you know, so I used to, I was in music for a while and I felt like, and I'm not knocking music. I think anyone that's doing it, keep doing it, it's dope. But for me, it was, what am I selling? Because I felt like everything was, everything is selling. And so I was like, well, we can sell mean? medicine or sell candy. What do you mean Thinking? everything is selling? So if you have an opinion and you have a PhD and you're writing a paper, Mm -hmm. You're selling the construct of your thought process, right? And, with and some your, sort of uh, credibility. With some sort of credibility. So you're saying that I am credible enough, based on the virtues of my past experiences yeah. and my cosigns, that this is what I have formulated in terms of thoughts on this topic. Mm -hmm. And now you're putting it out to the world and a certain volume of people are going to subscribe to your thoughts and align with them. Some might operationalize it. Some might counter your message or your argument and you'll engage around it, but then you become a thought leader, right? In, in other arenas, so I gave the example of like a PhD, but whether it's, um, you know, in music, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm making this style of music with this type of sonic sound, with this sort of lyrical content, with this sort of visual appeal. My overall brand stands for this. My cadence is this, and this is my unique spin on it. And this is why those people enjoy my version, right? And I won't be the only one they ever enjoy, but they enjoy me within the spectrum of all the other things they enjoy. So where in your cycle in life are you not being sold to? I'm curious though, um, 
like really quickly on the campaigning thing, as somebody who was like following the election um, closely from the outside, I'm curious what it's like from the inside because um, even in Obama's book, who just he just dropped it, and yeah. it's so Thomas interesting Land. how they talk about like how campaigns have so much momentum, everything is so hectic for so long, everything is like super high intensity, and then all at once it kind of just drops. And so Flatlands, for yeah. me on the outside. I was like, I would get like drained by it almost, especially from the last presidential election. And then in, when I'm listening to Obama talk about it, he's like, you know, you spend all this time doing it. And he's like, you know, if I win, then I'm going to either be the president or I'm done with politics. And it's like those two completely different levels of either I'm going to do something so far up here or I'm just going to have to like lay really low because it takes so much out of you. So how do you have all the momentum to do it time like multiple times and what is it like for you on the inside when the campaign ends? And people are where they are assigned to be. Yeah, man. Um some of us don't stop running. And then others stop forever. And so burnout's real. You, you get through a cycle and you might not. I was, well, I was originally hesitant to join in this cycle because I was, I was still feeling the effects of the midterms. Um, and then I felt like the best place that I could go, the only reason I started was, you know, with the serendipity of the circumstance and I ended up at, at Yang 2020. Um, a, because I felt like I could contribute, but B, because they were thinking differently. Right, so it wasn't the same kind of thing. But to, to give the quickest view of a campaign, like an inside view of a campaign to an outsider, it would be campaigns are startups designed to spend all their money and get as much points as possible along the way, right? If that's the game. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get as much media, as many votes, followers, volunteers, and, and donations as you can along the way. And so you do different, perform, you perform in different ways to get that. So how does, a, how does a startup perform in a competitive landscape? Sometimes you pivot, sometimes you sprint, and some folks are agile enough to maneuver, and, and others hit a wall and realize that, ah, we could get further if we had more bucks, mm-hmm. but all we got is a Starbucks, <laughs> and then they're done. <laughs> Go, going along with that, what do you think could imp- uh, the Yang campaign could have improved? Man, okay, so every campaign could have improved everything, right? No one's, mm-hmm. no one's ever done it magnificently. I would say that the Obama campaigns would probably reflectively say that we didn't do anything magnificently. And they were among the best executed campaigns in recent history. Um, what Yang stood for, I think he articulated that very well. Um, and the landscape was digital. I think the only thing he could have done differently is, is know that he's going to do it again because he's ahead of his time. Mm. He was ahead of the, the moment, right. right? The moment caught up to him like six to eight months later. So he's yeah. moving at light speed and the rest of us are catching up because he slowed down. And that's how we caught up to him. It's Not cool to say that, that he still that I dis- seems to comment on it though, on Twitter. Like he's still, as the times move forward, he's like, oh... If we had the universal basic income, this is how it would affect the times now. If we did $2,000 a month, you know, this and that. It's still cool that, like, we're able to get a perception from him on basically what we what we ask for from candidates is, like, what would you have done? What what will you do is what 
I see Andrew and Bernie um, do often on Twitter, which is like, this is yeah. the result of if we were to take this action. Yeah. They get involved, yeah. I think, I think what he said was like, I reject this version of the simulation <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm gonna let people know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, yeah, so I, I don't know that I would say, I mean, there's like, we can get into the weeds on structural nuances and like how certain specific things do or don't operate. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that was his first campaign and I mean, so much of it president. has to be like comfortability, right? Like people aren't yeah. ready for that drastic of a change. That's, I yeah. mean, Bernie seemed like even he was going to be our guy. Like it seemed like everything was in uh, you know stone for that to happen but even that it was okay. such a it seemed like it was such a divide on on people just marking it as if like no like this is socialism fact we're yeah. not we're not doing yeah. that we're not yeah. ready for that so i'm i'm actually i'm with this organization i'm i'm the i'm not trying to do like a a drop or whatever but i'm i'm on the board of of uh, an organization called the muslim caucus of america and we were in Iowa. I was in Iowa f for Andrew. What and then, board aren't you on? Yeah. <laughs> Every other board. That's the only board I am on. Um, <laughs> that's literally the only board I'm on. So, so after Andrew's campaign, when they were, as they were shifting to New Hampshire, I saw an opportunity. Um, there's a sizable amount of Muslims in Iowa. And, and I like looking at sort of raw numbers and math and all that. And in, in caucuses the outcome of a caucus is, is like majority of who's present, right? So if you've got 7,000 Muslims in Waterloo, Iowa, or Waterloo, between Waterloo and Cedar Falls, that could have sizable impact in their caucuses, right? So if they voted as a block, they could actually make a difference in the outcome of the Iowa caucus. And so uh, me and this other guy were sort of, a week apart from each other going to all these masjids. And so I kept learning about this dude because I was going to these masjids trying to figure out, hey, hold on, are you guys in touch with the party and this and that? Like, you know, we can mobilize and blah, blah, blah. And I would introduce who I'm with and I was trying to get them to support Yang 2020. And they're like, oh, brother, this guy from Bernie, he came last week. You're one week late. And I was like, no, not a chance. And so I end up catching up to this dude in Des Moines. And, and it was at in this back room of of like an old vibe, like big brass jazz band. There was a guy who like sings like Michael Bublé and, and it was really dope. It's called Noche in Des Moines. So if anyone ever goes to Des Moines, go to Noche, tell Maria that Rumi says hello. She'll be happy to, <laughs> she'll be happy to have you. Um, so there's this beautiful, this, this beautiful jazz club and, and it's swanky and all of that. And so there's this meeting taking place there while everyone else is there to enjoy whatever so i meet this guy at this meeting and then there's like the the, the subtle pleasantries and i'm like hey hello blah blah blah. and then it occurs to us uh, hold on i've been hearing about you on the road going to all these things and so we joined forces and, and we developed the first satellite muslim caucus sites at uh, in the iowa caucuses so five masjids were satellite sites so that Muslims had an opportunity to vote in a com more comfortable setting. You have a sizable Somali population, Bosnian population, Arab and South Asian and African-American population, right? In, in Iowa, no one's really expecting that that occurs. So we mobilized that operation and 41 state delegates came out of those sites collectively. Because of those sites, Bernie Sanders made it out of the Iowa primary or out of the mm -hmm. Iowa caucus. He was very close with Pete Buttigieg and if we hadn't done this thing that was the first time it was done in history, 
he wouldn't have had that that surge. Interesting. That little, that little boost that kept him afloat. And so he stood for the things that Muslims care about so deeply and strongly, explicitly. And so the yeah. community stood for him but because we provided the infrastructure. So what was I doing? Working with what I had, with the, with the resources I had, in the limited time I had to try to optimize the best outcome. And we didn't know it was going to work. We didn't, we didn't know if anyone knew how to do it. We just tried to do it. And the you know, Iowa Democratic Party was, was uh, cooperative and, and they welcomed it and we made it happen. And it resulted in you know, a candidate continuing in the field. So I was then recruited to, to team Bernie, the Muslim caucus endorsed Senator Sanders. We were the, I think the first Muslim organization to endorse him. And so we were helping mobilize, you know, progressive Muslim communities for, for the Sanders campaign. Uh, Yang had, had withdrawn and, and along the way they, you know, they, they, they favored that sort of we are looking at coalitions. We are, you know, the, 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 the brand or the slogan for the campaign this time around was fighting for somebody you don't know, right? Hmm. And so, and we were doing that. And so I had the privilege and honor of speaking at the actual um, results party in Iowa after the caucuses. And, uh, you know, I had like a three minute notice. I'm pretty sure I was a fill in. I'm like something, something happened and they needed someone to get up there and they're like, all right, you ready? And I was like, four? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like to talk, and I was like, "Well, I've been talking to a bunch of folks," feel, and they're just like, like "No, like up there, everywhere." Yeah, and I was like, "Up where?" <laughs> and they're like, "Up there," and I was like, "Oh, okay." So, like, when do y'all want me up there? Like thirty minutes, or whatever. They're like three minutes, and then the girl that asked me all this walks away, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> "I'm about to ruin this whole thing," because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I think I saw, I think I saw um, a clip of that. Maybe you shared. Oh, you did. Something. Okay. <laughs> I think you shared something. Um, I I, I think I shared it on like I on my Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember watching <laughs> yeah. that. No, but you're. I wouldn't have ever thought that. I would have. I mean, you always kill the improv. You, you know, you you prepared for that, and we're ready. It seems that you're. You always I think kill it with the improv. When you have you know certain values and goals set in mind, and something aligns with it, I think with you, Rami, it's like you know you say that all these things aren't that different. I think there is an underlying sort of, besides the problem solving thing, there's an underlying theme of community as well. You know, all the, all the different, you know, uh, whether it be politics, music, um, or the different, like through ill Muslims and all of that, that you do community driven things. It's always about the people and bringing people together. Yeah. You know, what drives that is like our faith, like a Muslim, obviously, if it hasn't been clear now, Muslim caucus, all that, you know, um, leave a place better than you found it. And, and I think multiple faiths talk about that. And for me growing up, like we didn't have you know, a question I had. And, and, and the question that sparked us creating Ill Muslims, and I can talk more about that in a moment, but I had called Sadaf, my co-founder of Ill Muslims, who wasn't my co-founder at that time, but I called her and I was like, why? And I was frustrated. And I was like, why does our community not support creative output? And she was like, yeah, that's a valid question. But Huge. how do you define community? And I was like, oh, well, and she's like, and she was a teacher at the time. And she was like, well, we've literally just uncovered that this week in science. So community is literally the definition is divergent populations interacting in a meaningful way. Mm. At which point I was like, oh, we don't have that. <laughs> we don't have, so Umma's a phantom concept. We don't have community. We're not divergent and meaningful in our interactions. We're homogenous and, and shallow mostly, and sometimes homogenous and meaningful, pseudo, and then divergent and shallow and, and that's most of it. And so 
And she's like, well, every community has to have a thread. And I was like, I can't solve that for 1.8 billion people that are Muslim in the world, right? But I could solve it perhaps for the people that I know, the peers that have sure. similar experiences to me. And I grew up all over the States and in small towns. And so we didn't have large community. I didn't have a lot of people my age. So how do you, how do you resolve who you are as, you know, I was born in England and moved to the States. So I was like, there I was packy. Here, they didn't know what I was, and, and, and I was also a Muslim. And so there's all these different sort of identities floating around in this hyphenated experience. Shout out to Vinume again. I think I have to give them like royalties every time I use hyphenated. Atif was now. on our podcast. Um, yeah. So we, we love him. And, yeah. you know, he's one and he of talks those about guys hyphen that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's sick. And I've, I've known Atif a long time. And, and I think it's because we were talking about these things before we created anything in trying to address these things, right? Yeah. So there was just a, you know, a general group of people that were talking about these ideas. But um, the community part, right, bringing it back to community, it yeah. was, oh, we don't have that, so how do we build it? And so she was like, every community needs a thread. So for me, it was creative output is a good idea, that's a thread. If you subscribe to that, if you can say yes to that, that's the thread. So then when, it was, when I was in music, it was the same thing. It was like us, you know, we're third culture kids or we're of different experiences and it's not just this thing. And same thing in, in the political world. It was, how do we look at the math differently to incorporate coalitions? How can we do the thing that we wish existed when we were on the outside? And so it's like trying to live that reality out loud. I think yeah. that's the... Al along the way, uh, somehow we were blessed to receive a DM from Ooh. Rami Khan. <laughs> and it was... This was this was through uh, an event, an Upna event in uh, Dallas in yeah. summer of 2018, and this is something that was sponsored by Ill Muslims, I believe. Yeah, um, you put us on on a show along uh, Mickey Singh, and I was trying to play it cool. And, and well, actually, at first we were sketched out. We were like a week before we were like, "Who's this guy doing <laughs> us this?" We're going to perform with Mickey saying, like, is this true? Is this going to happen? And even until the minute before we met you, we're like, is this guy actually going to have us perform with Mickey saying, is he going to be here? Is this real? And I think I was the only one that talked to him yeah. till then. So I was telling you guys, like, guys, he sound like, why would he do that? And we, I think originally when you DM'd, you know, you said, call this number. <laughs> there's a there's a spot open like whatever and i was like should i i was like playing video games i think next to my brother I was like, should i call them he's like yeah call it i was like all right call it and then uh you know we got to talking and it was like probably like 40 minutes till iftar it was ramadan at the time we had to yeah fast and we ended up talking on the phone for like an hour and I, he was just hyping me up telling me all these stories about you know who he's worked with and and how you know he yeah, likes Fra what Frosty we're doing. was like yeah yeah but I I got I got it's Rosa it's Rosa time can I yeah yeah, can yeah I my parents you? are my parents are upstairs they have no idea I'm on the phone with you uh and like what they're like means. come on we have to go to a iftar like we had to go somewhere uh for oh, a snap, thing, right? my bad man and no no I was like I was trying to signal my brother like go tell him it's something important <laughs> but no it was um. It was cool because you were sharing um, you. First of all, when people contact me or us, they don't necessarily know a lot about us or our content. And you already were singing lyrics over the phone and, you know, were very personal. And I was like, OK, 
this guy knows what he's doing. Right. And even I was after, a fan. I was a huge fan. Yeah, that was that was crazy to me. But yeah. what what I'm trying to get at is like you know what was um, your thought process behind not just us but um, you know other people and and you can name some of the people according to your stories that you told us um, and all these guys as well. Um, what's the process of finding somebody and being like, you know what, this person needs to be on this stage? I think first it's this person needs to have an opportunity to, if what they've done with what they've done in front of me, if I'm able to consume this, right? If I found you online or, or on TV or something and I'm able to consume it and there's something I enjoy about it, this person needs an opportunity to iterate that out further. Right. Well, that's, are you are you also thinking of like the community stuff that you just talked about? Like, does this like, do you think people will like it, even though you like it? Like, yeah. yes. And and the reason so, and this is actually interesting. This this could be like a whole podcast series on on why I think I understand how people like what they like, and it's it comes from just paying attention to the stuff that they aren't saying, right? Like in marketing. You can ask a question, you're not going to get the honest answer, but the behavior will give you a different answer, right? So if you ask someone, hey, do you like this topping, this topping, this topping, and this topping, they'll tell you the topping they think they like the most, but they might actually end up picking the frequency of the third favorite topping ends up the being the greatest frequency. The frequency of the jalapenos is what, is what got me. <laughs> no, like the frequency of selecting. So if you've got, you know what I mean, like the amount of time, let me... You know, long hair don't care. We got to explain it for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. So what it came for me was you were having the right amount of fun with it, but you still had a skill set. Like you could still actually fit a cadence and you weren't forcing corny words into, into lyrics. Right. And so the humor was, you know, humor is the, the difference between expected reality and reality. And so you created enough of that void to where it was like, ah, I can connect to this, but I can also comfortably show my dad, mm. you know? And, and what if, what and if we ended up also being, find that void? What if we ended up being the, like, you know, Stuck fake, up? like, you know, like you, you get in front of people and then you're, it's, it's why I talked to you for 40 on... minutes before. <laughs> ah, yeah. Dang. No, but you know what I mean? Like some people, they, uh, like what if leverage... we couldn't perform or well, not even like... that, not even that, like they leverage culture or an identity oh, okay. in order to use it to attract, um, like what if we didn't actually know, like, you know, to be Desi and stuff, but we just used it. Like, or we're yeah. are you able to gauge yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. And it shows in, in what you're doing, right? So you had enough, you had enough material out. And, and a lot of it was in the questions I asked you, you know, for us, like the, you know, what's your approach? How are you guys doing this? Why did you start doing it? You know, what does it mean for you? And so the answers you gave were revealing, right? Mm. Um, and I may not have like the answers pre-worked in my head, like, oh, I'm gonna call this guy today. I passed the group vibe these check. six okay. questions. <laughs> But yeah, you passed the vibe check and ultimately it was, I, I saw enough. Uh, and the same thing happened with like, you know, with, with other artists that I've worked with or helped launch or, or so on, right? Like I hear something and I'm like, okay, there's potential. What's the rest? Can Who were some of the people you worked levels? with? Cause I think that's, that's fun to, for people to. <laughs> fun to go through. Yeah. Um, man, at this point, like who, so I'm really excited about. I worked with. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, so, I mean, it's just been a long time, right? It's been, it's like maybe nearly 10 years. So um, I started out working for a music marketing company in, in Chicago. And then the owner of that company was working for this other artist. Who, he was the executive producer for this, for this bigger artist or, or became that. Um, and I felt like, hey, if this guy could do this, I could bring our people into the fold because I love Jay Sean and Rugov and those guys that are out there. And like I'd done some, you know, the promoter thing and I did some shows and all of that. Um, and, and I was excited about it. But we could, do, we could do more. There's something better and so on. And so I was at a music video shoot and this guy came through and he was like, oh, we'll see you with these things. And I feel like you could maybe help this, this guy out that I found and listen to this. And I heard this song and it was like, sounded like two people. I was like, cool. So there's a guy, younger dude, singing in English. Uh, he's dope. And then there's an uncle singing in Punjabi, who's also really good. But who are these two guys? I'm more interested in how they met and why they're doing it. And he's like, no, it's one guy. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know, bro. Like, go play it again. <laughs> he plays it again. He's like, no, it's one guy. And I was like, okay, sure. How old? And he's like, 19. And I was like, where? And he's like, Michigan. And I was like, who? He's like, this guy, his name is Mickey Singh. And I was like, all right, get me in touch. Like, do you know anyone? He's like, I know his cousin. And I was like, let's talk. I love how, I love how the difference is this young guy and an uncle that's singing. <laughs> uncle. Yeah. It was, <laughs> 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 no, so, so we, you know, we, we connected and um, there's obviously a lot more detail. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving like the, the very skinny version of it. The, but ultimately the fun we connected. Version. Yeah, the fun. The fun version, yeah. And, and, I, and I worked with him through... And look, another thing, and, and you guys are artists in your own right, so the thing that you know is you, it's, it's, a, it's a human thing, it's an emotional thing. You go through wanting to do it and maybe not wanting to, mm-hmm. right? And knowing how exactly you want to do it and maybe having doubts about that. Yeah. And, and I, th- I don't think there's any artist that's an exception to that. Everyone goes through that. So I had the pleasure of working with, you know, finding, I don't say that I discovered him because how, like, you know, he discovered his talent and started performing yeah. and putting it out. So but he you discovered were, you him. you were somebody who helped along the way. Yeah, um, so I helped, so helped amplify that. Yeah, and so in the beginning, in that early phase, I was managing and then, and then worked with him through the um, mixtape that we put out. And it, again, it was like, we got limited resources and limited time, like, what do we do? It's like, well, we can't afford the full-on records and all of that, and so like, let's do a mixtape so we can show your skill set on things that people have heard of. And so then it was also deliberate to use songs that our parents are familiar with mm-hmm. and reimagine them. So there's enough connectivity for them to recognize the specialness. Mm. Uh, even though the younger generation, very few of them recognized the link, right? But if their parents overheard them playing it, they were like, what is that? Well, hold on, I, I, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it's being sung in a, a different melody. So we did that. Um, Soon after starting working with Mickey, there was, uh, I saw, I think my mom was watching like Pakistani TV and there was this kid and he was singing Whistle, like a cover to Flowrider's Whistle. And it was in Punjabi. I was like, what is this? Who is this guy? I was like, mom, have you seen this guy before? Like whatever. And she was like, no, I don't know anything about it. I love the build up. Yeah. So I look him up and I'm like, this is crazy. What is this? And I was like, let me just see what his story is. I just, I'm curious, I wanna know, right? And I'm thinking like, yo, my artist here, like we should maybe do a song with him if, if there's enough synergy. And, and so I hit him up and I was like, yo, I'd love to connect, wanna know about your story and so on. And so we connect and, and, and start, you know, exchanging like ideas and he tells me who he is and so forth. And then 
you know, serendipity or, or chance or fate or kismet, whatever you want to call it, uh, I had to go to Pakistan for like some family stuff. And it's soon after we started talking and I was telling my brother, my brother is in films and I was like, yo, like you should come. This is going to be cool. We get to link with dude and blah, blah, blah. So this, this guy right now is like the Bieber of Pakistan today. He's, his name's Asim Azhar. And uh, back then he was 16. And on that same trip, we recorded, and my brother shot the video, um, the A-Team Urdu remix. If you're on YouTube, you can just look up the A-Team Urdu oh, remix. Wow. And imagine me behind the camera guy trying to make sure we don't fall into ditches, that there's no like, you know, <laughs> like, like, like shit on the ground, pardon my French. Um, yeah, you're you guiding know. him. Yeah, guiding, but also trying desperately to stay out of the camera because he starts doing these sweeping pants. Like when you look mm. at the video, you'll see he's like spinning around yeah. and I can't move that quickly in sand. So I'm like stumbling over myself trying to stay out of the video. Um, and it ended up being like a, a big moment for early awesome career. And yeah, and so that's that's another guy. Um, and he's 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 huge now. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's he's magnificently talented. Yeah. 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 It's Who was the fun. other guy you were going to say? There's, there's others, man. There's, oh, Anik. Um, Anik Khan. Anik was, yeah, Anik Khan. I met Anik through Atif. Oh, nice. Through Atif. Atif was like, yo. And that, that was the fun part. So around that time when I was doing the Mickey thing, and even just slightly before that, Atif and I had connected from a mutual friend. So whenever I was in New York, we'd hang out. And if he was coming to Chicago, we'd hang out. And so we were kind of like the only brown guys we knew that weren't in brown things. But we're both very interested in being proud of ourselves and culture and connecting it to the stuff we were working on. So I was working in sort of a mainstream music lens and he was working in like mainstream fashion and we weren't doing brown things. And we, we would have discussions about this and around this. Fun fact, I was late to link with Atif and, and he was like, yo, I want to go to this, this shop in Midtown, let's link. And I was in town, I think it was for like an Illy event. And... And he's like, so I'm going, so you should come with me because, you know, they got like some embroidery and hats and stuff. And I was like, yo, okay, cool. I'm trying to do some of that. And so because he's, he's waiting for me, he on his phone was like, you know, standing outside the store and he was like, yo, have you heard of, and I think it's called Maker, the app. And he was like, yo, have you heard of Maker? And, and like, I don't know, maybe I'll ask him before you put this in the podcast because he might be like, yo, fam, why are you out in my, out in my <laughs> process? Um, <laughs> But he shows me this thing and I was like, yo, that's dope. And he was like, yeah. I was like, when'd you do that? And he's like, literally right here waiting for you, bro. Like, you're late. Mm. And I was like, my bad. And so, and I was like, so what's the deal? And he's like, dude, I ordered like 20 of these. What are you about to order? And I was like, oh, you already, you already ordered it. So that's the halal hat. Oh, got yeah. it. Dang. Yeah. So I would, you know, maybe I get some kind of credit for being late. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. When, uh, whenever you're... So you know, connecting with people. And I, we've seen you do this with us, but we've seen you do it with other people as well. You're just promoting and sharing people that you're not even necessarily getting something back from right away. Like I've seen you, you know, pull up pictures of some designer's clothing and show it to somebody and the designer's not even there. Or like with us, sometimes you'll just, someone will tell me like oh yeah like rummy was playing me your yeah. music in the like, car like we'll be in public and like you know we're kind of like quiet trying to get the scene out right and rummy will be like hey guys come here I, you got to meet this person and then he'll yeah. be like yo these guys make the best parodies and then you'll 
you'll sing like even i even i don't have like that sort of uh courage i guess to to be like yo watch my video um my question is like why do you do that when you when you know that you know there's not something in it for you right there and then um and there's not like a deal you're not managing all these people why do all of that for moments like this right like you guys have have been doing this a while you've built a following in a community you're expressing your art and for me it was the frustration of why don't why doesn't our community support creative output so when i see it and i see it being done methodically and being done thoughtfully and and being executed with skill there's a lot of folks that are doing or attempting to do things for the wrong reasons right like they're doing it for clout they're doing it for hype for follows to you know, to to put a, a an exotic rental in their music video, cause what? Cause we think that you own that whip that you rented for this video. Like, what do you you know what I mean? Like, but y'all make fun of that, and that's fun, hmm. right? Yeah. And it's not. It's so. I want to see people that are creative and have something to say have the opportunity to say it, even if you don't have a hand in it. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's we we won't have a creative community unless there's a lot of us. Hmm. And people talk about like, oh, it's lonely at the top and it's a pyramid scheme and all of that. And I was like, yeah, it's a pyramid scheme. It's lonely for those folks that pyramid scheme you. Right. And, and I'm not trying to have it be a, a lonely place when we all collectively like I'll give this example. You hear about these people that have been really successful in a particular industry, whether it's music or fashion or whatever, or, or acting, and, and you hear about them having miraculously known each other. Like, how did this famous person, this famous yeah. person, this yeah. magical producer and this magical, how do they know each other? And it's because it was a culture of success. It was a culture of creativity. And so the community is what makes people successful. Their tribe is why they got there. And so we know them as their individual brand, but it was all of them doing that thing in that moment that got them there. You, you listen to some interviews like with Joe Budden or Busta Rhymes and, you know, talking about like Biggie and moments and, and all these things. They were all a community, right? Whether they were tight or distant or acquaintances or they knew each other, but because they all existed, these things became possible. So yeah. I want to see that for for people that don't fit into one box mm. for so this culture like kids. it's not like a personal gain, it's like a cultural gain that you get. I feel, yeah, I feel like that's a personal gain in my way, right? <laughs> the cultural it's gain like, is a personal gain. Yeah, because I, I want to affect change and leave this place better than I found it. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, whether this is intentional or not, um, somebody that we talk um about you two a lot is is Isak, who is um, the the designer behind Mercy X Mankind. Mercy we've had on the <laughs> podcast uh, twice before, but you know, like you're being mentioned in rooms where you're not in, in. that you're not present in, and um, you know, like hum- people remember those things for a long time, and mm-hmm. just the sort of authenticity that came across of. Why, why does this person want anything to do? Like, because it's in a world we live in right now for us being from, you know, especially me, I'm, I'm from a very small town in, in Maryland and, uh, finding Shamir and Amber was like, you know, gold one in a million. Me. Yeah. It was um, like one in a million. 
And so I'm so glad y'all did find each other because <laughs> look at what we would have been deprived of if you hadn't. Yeah, but but like the thing is, I'm not used to going out um, and meeting so many. Like when we went to uh, Texas, where you brought us out to, that was the first time we performed in front of kids. Actually, we've never yeah. performed. We've always performed in front of, of college audiences colleges, yeah. and like yeah. friends and yeah. you know. And just also, people... the, the craziest thing is too with those colleges. Like usually we're like hey, we'll perform for you guys for, like, you know, free or, like, low charge. So they're kind of, like, used to us, you know, in a lot of these mm-hmm. places. And usually our audience, we see, like, you know, 100,000 views online and stuff. We don't really see, like, our audience, audience right. outside of our We didn't meet area. our, like, fans. Yeah. That was the first time we, like, met our fans. And it was overwhelming because they were, ch- I don't know if you were, yeah, I think you were there with us where they were, like, chasing us yeah. around, the ho- like, the hotel. Yeah. And, and we, we didn't were- even know we had that power. Like, exactly that's something like we're not used to that but then also like, on top of that like when we was like i didn't know i was a pipe piper <laughs> we also like we didn't realize that when you uh invited us to come to miami that there were other brown creators that were just like had the same sort of experiences and the level of uh you know um i guess creativity along with managing their um academics on that level and then on top of that, you know, when you when you go to L.A. and New York, it was weird because there's a lot of, I guess, fakeness and there's always people that want things. And so all that to say, like when we had that experience with you and continue to have these experiences with you, it's almost surprising because it's like, wait, is there something that we're not seeing here like what is the <laughs> uh, you know it, are we signing a deal with the devil like what's going on but oh. <laughs> but we didn't sign anything and yeah. this guy is just a friend like a friend who just likes our stuff and is sharing our stuff and we're talking about him right now man y'all y'all are out here uh, describing me on this podcast like i'm like the the brown stan of, of everyone guruji Guru, bro guruji you're the guruji <laughs> i'm it's like yo so do you find all the brown talent to stand them is that, is that what <laughs> no well moving? you got you got to give you got to give people their flowers yeah and, well and also think... for us like we're used to like people like hey you know we'll uh we'll do like a performance together like you know some up there guy will be like hey we can do this for you but usually they want something like in return right Mm. or something doesn't something falls through or something like that but for you it was just like you're the first kind of person that's like up there that believes in us but it's like genuine it's natural and we like really love that and vibe that and we will always respect that i love y'all i think for (laughs) me the Everybody like it goes back to what I was saying earlier, right? Like it's we're we're always selling, and I felt like when I was in in music or in like you know nightlife or whatever, it was more like I was selling candy. It was enjoyable and people like it and and they want it and you have too much of it and you need the dentist, right? Or you need an oral surgeon. And while at the same time it's like you could sell medicine, it's like things you don't want. And who wants to see the doctor? And it usually means something bad when you're, you know, being prescribed it, you know, except for the opioid crisis. And then people think it's good, but it's still terrible. And and so for me, I was looking at it like, well, how do we get folks what they need mixed with what they want? Right? How do we merge needs and wants? How do we lace one with the other, if you will? And and so there's different ways to do it on various spectrums. So it can be medicine laced with candy or candy laced with medicine. But either way, there's a, a certain value of goodness that comes from that. So I'm sorry. This analogy is throwing me off. What is the candy and the 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 medicine? The, 
the I categorize things, right? Services, mm-hmm. experiences, products, whatever, into those two very broad polar buckets. And so they're things that we want, but too much of what you want, and it's and it tastes good, and it's enjoyable, and it's desirable, and you'll pay for it, mm-hmm. right? But too much of it, and you get sick, and then there's the thing that you need. Mm-hmm. But medicine's karva, it's not the thing you want, you don't, it's not enjoyable, mm-hmm. but you need it because you got sick, so you had too much of the stuff that you want. And so how do you mix those? How do you find balance? Mm-hmm. Where's the spectrum between those two polar points? And, and so how do you do that with, with culture? How do you do that with community? How do you do that with politics? How do you do that with music? Is it either, is it always all or nothing? You know, what, what's the room in the middle or in between? So for me, it was like, I don't have to gain financially from everything that gives me joy. Hmm. Right. Because I feel like we need it. And somebody that's younger than me or younger than you is going like we got to. We've succeeded if they've made us obsolete. Right? Because we're doing something, y'all are doing something that folks before you have maybe done in their way, but you've made them obsolete. Mm-hmm. And, and so whoever iterates this to the next step, I'm going to be super proud of. Right? And if it's not happening, it's like, what am I not doing well enough to where these next guys aren't that much better than me? And I think that's the way I look at it because that's, that's what we, we as a collective, that's what we as humanity, that's what we need. We well, need to be better each generation. It's also like it goes without saying, but you know, with with us, for example, we have yet to see that sort of financial return, right? We've we're truly doing this at this point because it's, it's a passion. It's coming. Um, it's coming. <laughs> but, but that's what I mean, right? It's like the endless amount of opportunities, the lifestyle that we've gotten to live. Although some, you know, for some people it might be like that's it, but for most people it would be like, wow, you got to do these things. You got to go to these places. Uh, you have this sort of, uh, you know, I don't see us as social influencers, but there is some sort of influence that we are putting out there, um, whether we like it or not. Um, for that level of experience and opportunity, uh, knowing the people that we've met along the way, you know, ultimately, like you're saying, when there's certain people that end up at the top, if you want to call it that, sometimes they run into each other again. And it's like, I think we have that sort of mutual trust, not just with you, but so many people that even you've connected us with or people that we've met on our own within this sort of collective that we see that genuine sort of uh, both talent, but also um, vision. We know that like, oh, I'll see this person again or or they're going to they're going to have this path on their own. And, um, you know, if I ever need some sort of service that requires this person like I have this trust for them mm. and maybe that's what is subconsciously there for many of us that like, I guess are living that way that, you know, we don't need anything in return that we'll just, as we go along, we'll need each other. Yeah. And it'll be a beautiful thing. And and we were, we were created that way, right? Like Allah created or God, if, if we've got our, our non-Muslim cousins listening Created, which, by the way, Allah does not translate to God directly. That's a tangent. We can get into that, but it's the oneness. 
Can you but, put on that topi for this, Imam? Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I didn't know this, we were going to get a football on the podcast. <laughs> nah, what, here's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that ultimately, the, for me, the top uh, goes beyond death. It's for those. That's the top. Wow. Right? He went there. And so if, <laughs> if you're seeking, if you're, if you're trying to get to the top, who else do you want to see there? Who else do you want to see succeed? And, and who else do you want to have benefited from understanding, you know, you could, I think every religion got it right to a degree, right? It's the same pizza, different toppings. I'm using that because I just had some pizza. Um, basic morals, <laughs> basic principles. Yeah, but they, they're all to a degree correct. And it was, it's beyond a certain point, like the divergence in the road. There's a hyper focus on something in a literal sense that could actually still make sense if you think of it in the abstract, right? Or if you think of it not as literal and, and maybe more metaphorical and maybe more the context of the language of the day to try to get them. And maybe it was just a reference to something they colloquially understood within society. So for me, the top is for those, but what gets you there? It's like a good heart, right? It's, it's not just, yeah, okay, cool. Your, your debits and credits can, can balance at the end of your life. And if your debits are greater than your credits, you might go to the good place. And if your credits are greater than your debits, you might go to the bad place. And if it's net neutral, you might find yourself stuck in the medium place, right? But the good place isn't all good at every level. I mean, it's good, but I'm saying all good in the sense that we, we were raised where it's like you get a 98 and your parents are like, where are the other two points? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So it's like you got to seek the highest possible environment of whatever it is that you seek. And so for me, it's what do I want behind the thing that I want? What do I want after I've got what I want? What's the question behind the question? So the top is after wow. death. This is what he those. does. This is what he circled back around. Circle the whole thing. I'm telling you, this is what he does. Um, it's, been an, it's been an hour, so uh, I know we promised you that. But I do want to ask you um, one last thing um, yeah. before we get to the final question. How do you want people... Um, whether they've met you once or known you for your lifetime to remember you? You guys, you tell me. I have no idea. How do, I've never how do we actually want answered to that remember question. You? <laughs> yeah, how do you think, how do you think that I want people to remember me? Hmm. Wait, wait. So how do we think that you think that you want people to remember you? <laughs> or, how, Is that... or how do you think that, or do you think, how, How do, do we think, think people... people remember you? Yeah. <laughs> what is it that you think that I want people to remember me oh, by? Okay. Mm. Just, oh gosh. To leave this place a better one. Ah. Because you've said that multiple times throughout this yeah. podcast, but that's vague. Yeah. So yeah. I, would, I would want, and, and I think... This is a point that I wanted, uh, one of the questions, right? You had mentioned influencers. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not about what you can influence, but who you can inspire. And so influence versus inspiration. And so I'd be, I would want to be remembered for, for the inspiration. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, Incredible. you've done that already to us. Yes. <laughs> Yo, so, so, so are we going to get like, is this episode going to be like sealed with a sneak peek of the next joint? Cause <laughs> he wants to um, come back on. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I, no, not me. I'm uh, saying your next, your next song. I know you've had plenty of time in COVID to cook up 
A thousand ideas. Oh, Rami. We'll, We're going we'll to we'll talk after this. We're going to talk after this. Okay. All right. Okay. But <laughs> before we do that, uh, we, we sealed this podcast um, with one question that we ask at the end um, with our guests. So, Amber, if you want to take that away, let's do it. Sure. If you could describe yourself as any flavor, what would it be and why? Like, what do you guys think flavors. that I would think my flavor <laughs> Welcome to Strange Flavors. flavors. Why, how did I not clock that that would... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> because, Rami, you didn't, ex- you, you didn't expect this. Come on. If I, if, so if I could be any flavor? If you could describe, you describe yourself, yourself as any flavor of anything, yeah. what would it be? But, but also why? Like, why would you describe Man, yourself as that flavor? I feel like there's probably a legacy of answers that have been given on this that I'm now going to diminish my ranking. No, 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 no. Some people are deep. Some people are very surface level. <laughs> yeah. Some people suck. You got Like this. Some people have had the worst flavors that I was literally like, all right, let's end it because you don't know what you're doing. Right. So, yeah. so there's no bar. Yeah. Pomegranate. Okay. Mm, it's pomegranate season too. Wow. Why? Did you know that? Because it's, it's, it's in season right now. It's complex <laughs> and it's built of a lot of things. There's a oh. lot of pieces okay. to it. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You know what? But I'm not, it's delicious with every bite. Even That's... though you totally jacked that from um, me mentioning that it's in season. <laughs> it's in... He was inspired by your thing but he took it to yeah. his he, I thought he was you, you take the good and leave the bad you know like I'm a man Anad. of faith so Anad. Rami also Anad I have to shout out my friend Huda Huda Katebi who, who started a war on her social media around oh no it was around never mind it was around like the Persian Lassi which I've Does just have pulled the war into it? no but then the peace offering was she was going to cut Anar, so that's where yeah Oh, okay. It's such an underrated fruit and such a beautiful fruit. It is. I think people just don't yeah. know how to get to it. But you heard it here. Mm. Rummy Anar Khan. Wow. That is him. Um, <laughs> I really wish we could just do this for a long time because mm-hmm. if you guys ever run into him, I'm sure you will at some point in your life. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's incredible. And Rummy, truly, like, thank you for being here and, thank and you. for inspiring us yeah. as always and being so kind. They got to they gotta like comment subscribe wow. to strange there you flavors go. Okay. tell people tell people where they can find you uh if if you want to do that or anything that you're working on that they should check out or anything like that well yeah, i mean look I'm, I'm working with the muslim public affairs council so if you're interested in figuring out how like muslims sort of fit into the general american political landscape um check out mpac um we'll link up MPAC whatever you underscore need. national yeah yeah mpac underscore national check that out uh, get get an education on, on where we fit in the world of policy. And we have a Hollywood bureau. So we're influencing how our characters and screenwriters are depicting Muslims in Hollywood and entertainment. So I think MPAC is, is among the most important organizations we have right now. And if you want something a little bit more zesty, then pull up on at Ill Muslims. Yes. Do that because that's what um, you know put us on as well with that one show. Um, thank you again, Rummy, aka Guruji. It's been an honor. Um, and for everybody listening, thank you for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week, another flavor, a little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. Cold nights, yeah. Warm lights, speak less, and I'll take it off you. Hold tight
reaching to take it off from me Now won't you be like Honey feels, honey tastes Honey, I feel like you were made Honey feels, honey tastes Nothing like it did